0: Today is Wednesday, October the 5th, 2022, and it's a great day to have a day on the Spurs Up show, the best Gamecocks podcast. On the internet, on today's show, I first start with everything Shane Beamer had to say yesterday afternoon at his Tuesday press conference as South Carolina continues preparation for this weekend's game against the Kentucky Wildcats. Guys, I'll give you guys my full takeaways from everything Coach Beamer had to say. Also, it is Wednesday. We're talking gambling. Best bet for South Carolina, Kentucky, as well as SEC gambling picks for a packed Week 6 Slate. Guys, we got all that plus a fantastic conversation with Stephen Hartzell of College Sports Now as we talk all things Gamecocks football, SEC, and much, much more from there as well. Guys, we got a packed show for you here on this Wednesday. And of course, as always, it's brought to you by our friends over at Red Fox roofing. Guys, Red Fox Roofing is a family-owned and operated residential roofing company born and raised in the Carolinas. They're proud South Carolina Gamecock fans servicing the local Columbia, Charleston, and most of the surrounding areas. They offer free inspections for storm damage, free same-day estimates for full roof replacements, and roof certifications for people getting ready to sell their homes. Also, they know how important shingle quality is when it comes to your roof. That's why they use Atlas Shingles, which is the only shingle manufacturer in the market who's partnered with 3M and and has a Scotch guard protection on their shingles. They offer a lifetime algae resistant warranty that your roof will never have those ugly black streaks. From Algae Builder. When it comes to the best possible pricing, they've got you covered there as well. Red Fox Roofing is going to be any written estimate and allows financing as well. They service every home as if it was theirs, and their attention to detail and customer service is truly what sets them apart. Guys, simply put, they always leave it better than they found it. Give them a call today at 843-364-3023. That's 843-364-3023 for all of your roofing. He needs. You can also find them on Facebook at Red Fox Roofing. Or if you have any other questions, go to their website. That's redfoxroof.com. That's redfoxroof.com. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it. Boys and girls, happy Wednesday, happy hump day. Hope you're all doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show, as always. Appreciate you all tuning in. We have got a jam-packed show here on this Wednesday. Let me also start by saying welcome to any Kentucky fans that we might have tuned in. You know, I got a weird feeling that the way this week is going with uh, the Stephen Garcia comment going viral on Monday some of the commentary I saw on social media yesterday as well. I got a good feeling there's a good number of Cats fans that are keeping up with our show this week and keeping up with our content. And they want to get some intel on how things are going on the Gamecock side of things. So welcome to you all. And I cannot wait as the week continues to keep the banter going. As we say here, the beauty is truly in. The banter. Man, what an exciting week it's been thus far. Obviously, Wednesday of Kentucky week. You can feel the energy in the air. Everyone's sort of on edge, if you will, as we dive back into SEC play and a pivotal game for both teams this weekend in Lexington, Kentucky. Again, guys, thank you all so much for tuning in. Appreciate the love. Appreciate the support. We've been feeling it all week long. Guys, one quick content update in case you missed this on Monday. The Daily Crow will air as normal. Of course, podcast dropping as normal. We already did Monday today. And then Friday, we will do everything with our Kentucky breakdown, top storylines, keys of the game, key matchups. I'll lock in my lead pipe lock of the week prediction as well and give you guys my final thoughts before the game on Saturday. Uh, But everything else is normal except the Daily Crow on Friday. So as you all know, my sister getting married this weekend. I am in the wedding. We are playing golf on Friday morning. And I'm very excited for that, but uh, we will not be off the golf course. You can imagine by noon. So I'm not just going to do nothing on Friday. Of course, we've got the rehearsal and the rehearsal dinner and all that stuff, but I really want to do something and get some last minute banter and commentary in before the game on Saturday. So uh, right now we're tentatively scheduled on Friday, the Daily Crow airing two to four. It might be one to three. We might only go live for an hour. So guys, Uh, Just as always, be flexible, roll with the punches, and I truly do appreciate you guys doing that, but I promise you there will be, hey, if we got to do it on Friday night, I'll do that too. Uh, But some sort of content, some sort of commentary, some sort of banter will be coming your way on Friday. Actually, Friday night might be the move, right? A A little nighttime TDC, TDC after dark, if you will. Before the Gamecocks play Kentucky, that could be a lot of fun. You guys let me know your thoughts and your feedback on that. But either way, uh, really exciting for it, man. The content's bleeding out of the eyeballs this week, and I truly do appreciate each and every single one of you tuning in. And again, guys, appreciate y'all interacting and being engaging because what a week it's been, man, with the, the Stephen Garcia comment on uh, Monday that went viral. Kentucky fans got a hold of it. I think that thing's up to like – 50,000 views now, a a Lexington, Kentucky news station ran that clip last night on the news. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. And then you see the comments from Shane Beamer, which I'm about to dive into here in just a second. But uh, I appreciate you guys, man. Feels good to be good and, uh, you know, everything that's going on right now. And obviously everything's ramped up with Kentucky and everybody's, you know, there's a heightened sense of awareness and alertness and everybody's on edge. And it's not just because it's spooky season we got a big game this weekend. With that being said, guys, let's go ahead and dive into everything. Our Tuesday presser takeaways as we do each and every single Wednesday where I give you guys my full thoughts and everything Shane Beamer had to say yesterday. I'm going to keep this one short, sweet, and to the point. Um, because the first things first, of course, with the injury updates, huge news that Debrius Rush and Dylan Wanham sounds like they will be good to go for this weekend, Shane Beamer updating. I mean, it sounds like the Gamecocks are going to be as healthy as they've been since the beginning of the season. You know, Rush and Wanham both have not played since the Georgia game, two big-time players, so it will be great to get them back, obviously, and two guys that should be major contributors as the season continues and goes on, and guys, you're certainly going to need down the stretch and on Saturday as well. Uh, So in regards to injury updates, you're good to go. Everybody should be fresh. Everybody should be good, getting extra time. Also, with the game last week on Thursday, you feel like this is the healthiest your football team has been since the beginning of the season. Now, the comment that really made waves from Shane Beamer's presser, because, guys, the rest of it was really coach speak. Hey, we think Kentucky's great. We understand how important the game is. You know, we're still just working on us, and Spencer feels good, and this, that, whatever. It was kind of your standard coach speak, you know, kind of softball questions from the media. Great job, guys. But uh, just kind of your standard thing, which is fine. But the last comment, (laughs) the last comment that Coach Shane Beamer made uh, when he was asked about – The, you know, Marshawn Lloyd's comments about, you know, we did the thing where we picked up trash and everybody threw away what was holding them back or what was stopping them from from being the best version of themselves, which, whatever, that's a cool thing, great thing for team, great thing for the football team moving forward. And Shane Beamer was asked about that, and right before the end of the presser, he made it a point to say that... They were throwing away things, holding them back and blocking out the outside noise, right? Blocking out the outside noise. And let me make sure, by the way, let me get the actual quote here. Here we go. When Shane Beamer made the quote, quote, the talking heads on social media who think they know what the heck they're talking about and don't. Right. And blocking out the outside noise. And a lot of folks from there, you know, I clipped it. I threw it on social media because I thought it was funny. I I thought it was uh, it was an interesting comment, to say the least. Uh, And many folks thought, oh, he's talking about you. He's targeting you and what you say. And, And by the way, I'd like to point out that I think I've been pretty positive, uplifting. You know, listen, I give real takes and real opinions, and I'm going to call it as I see it, but I haven't gone on record and said fire Satterfield. Now, I've gone on record this week and said that this is the put up or shut up game, and if it doesn't get done this weekend, that I will be fire Marcus Satterfield. But I think that's a very fair comment when 99.9% of the fan base is ready to move on from the offensive coordinator. But either way, Shane Beamer's comment, guys, I, I would just say this. Is he talking about me specifically? Is he talking about the Spurs Up show? I cannot say for certain. I'll tell you guys this. Shane Beamer follows us on social media. I have a great relationship with Coach Beamer. I talked to Coach Beamer last summer. Uh, I've DM'd back and forth with Coach Beamer before. And I think the relationship is a very good working relationship in the sense of, you know, he knows that I support him fully. Again, I, I joke about it, but it's serious, guys. I wouldn't put his name on merchandise if I thought he was a slap dick. if I thought he was a bum. I'm behind Shane Beamer 110% and believe in what he's building at the University of South Carolina. Um, and he told me when I met him last summer, like, hey, Chris, you know, you're know you helping our program. You're spreading the word of Gamecock football. You're helping us win. Keep up the great work, right? Right? So I've gotten that vote of confidence in case anybody was wondering, doesn't no matter what Justin King says or somebody else says, some other slapdick, I've gotten that vote of confidence specifically from Shane Beamer, okay? And I think Shane also understands the, the role of folks like myself and others, the quote unquote talking heads on social media to call things as you see them and to be critical and to be honest and not sugarcoat things. And, and I think he understands where I'm coming from. And so I think, again, that's why I said, you know, I'm not going to sit there and, and, uh, and go out and smoke a cigar with Shane Beamer or hang out with him on the weekend, but there's a good work, healthy, working relationship there. Now, Again, was Shane Beamer talking about TSUS? Was it a pointed direct shot at me and what I do? I can't say that for certain, guys. Is it coincidence that it's said the same week that Marcus Satterfield blocks our buddy Brad Crawford on Twitter? Brad Crawford, a 24-7 sports and CBS Sports national college football writer that also talks about the Gamecocks a lot. Is it coincidence that he makes that comment the same week that happens? I don't think so. I don't believe in coincidences like that. But I will say the biggest and most notable talking heads that talk about the Gamecocks with any sort of critical voice are Brad Crawford and myself. So I will say this. It's a compliment for folks to assume that Shane Beamer is mentioning yours truly in his press conference. And I tell you guys this, whether he was taking a shot or whether he wasn't taking a shot, again, it's all love for Coach Beamer. Beamer ball to the freaking moon. I'm behind Shane Beamer 110%, and I get where we are right now. Emotions are running high, and everybody wants to win. And and I'm not losing sight, though, of the bigger picture, that even if you lose to Kentucky, I'm not off of Shane Beamer, man. This is a slow build and a long process. But in the meantime, we want to win, and we're emotional, and we love the Gamecocks, and we bleed the Garnet in black, and we're going to call it as we see it and be as critical as we need to be. Right? But no matter what the case is, if Shane Beamer was talking about yours truly, if Shane Beamer was talking about the Spurs Up show, man, it feels good to be good, guys. And it feels good to be the trending topic of conversation. I'll just say this. Why move the needle when you can be the needle? So – That's what I have to say about it. Uh, Again, it's a comment that I think we're all going to laugh about probably today. I I don't think it's really that big of a deal. It's more so just kind of funny. And, uh, you know, all this commentary and all this conversation this week, it all goes away if you get a win this weekend in Lexington. All the talk about Marcus Satterfield, at least for the short term, winning cures all. Winning cures all. So, um, again, it was kind of funny. I I think it's – it's a blessing. Honestly, it's a blessing because I, I used to pray for times like this where my word and my opinion and what we have to say and the content we produce, uh, made waves the way it does. And again, moves the needle or is the needle the way that it is. And so, man, it's a blessing beyond measure. So I say thank y'all to y'all for support and, and love. Thank y'all for sharing the content. Thank y'all because you see the numbers, you see the views, you see the analytics, you see the numbers skyrocketing and going to the roof, especially during the football season. Hey, that's all because of you guys love and support and, uh, Everyone, everyone takes notice. So uh, that was just sort of another jolt, if you will, this week for South Carolina, Kentucky. And uh, I love it, man. I love it. So like I said, feels good to be good. And uh, why move the needle when you can be the needle? All right. It's Wednesday. Let's talk gambling. Best bet for South Carolina, Kentucky, as well as SEC gambling picks for a packed week six Slate, guys, let's start, of course, with the best bet. Gamecocks travel to Lexington for the night game. Uh, Some really interesting statistics, by the way, published by our friend Brad Crawford, ironically enough, Uh, in regards to, you know, against the spread and South Carolina struggles on the road, the way Kentucky's fair, the over-unders, all that good stuff. Gamecocks open as a 10-point underdog in this one. They now sit 10.5-point underdogs, the over-under set, at 49. I'll tell you this. I'm not touching the total in this one. Um... You know, I played out the scenarios in my head, and I I really, guys, to be honest with you, I told you yesterday and two days ago, I feel so conflicted this week in regards to South Carolina is exactly where I picked them to be, but it doesn't feel how I expected. So I don't really know what to think yet about this game on Saturday. Obviously, I'll lock in a prediction, but I don't really know what I'm going to lock in quite yet. I don't even know who I'm going to pick, right? So I've seen a couple of different scenarios in my head, and I think the total – I don't think there's really one way or the other that's kind of a no-brainer pick. I know most folks are going to say, all oh, the Gamecocks can't score, this, that, whatever. And I know Kentucky struggled offensively as well, but I just – I don't love playing the total in this one. However, the spread is where I look. The spread is where I look. And, guys, again, I'm not giving away my prediction, obviously. I'm not giving away my prediction – but I am riding with the Gamecocks plus 10 and a half. And let me tell you why. And maybe this is a biased pick. Maybe this is me wanting to believe that this is going to happen. Because I feel like when you look at Kentucky, and guys, I, I put as much respect on the name of Kentucky football as any Gamecock content creator out there. I don't think there's a Gamecock content creator that even comes close to putting as much respect on Kentucky football as I do and giving them credit and what Mark Stoops has done. And, hey, they've beaten you seven of the last eight, right? You need to put respect on their name. But this Kentucky team, in my mind, guys, is just still so overrated. They were overrated when they were at seventh. They're overrated, in my opinion, sitting at 13th. You look at the numbers statistically, they're near the bottom of the league in every single offensive category. They haven't been able to run the football against anybody. I know they get Chris Rodriguez back, who's averaging 7.6 yards per carry against South Carolina in his career, by the way. So he's been able to torch you, but they have not been able to get a consistent push this season. Then you factor in that Will Levis is banged up with a finger. They've got guys on defense that are banged up, right? And then you also factor in that the Gamecocks are as healthy as they have been since the start of the season, and they've had extra time to prepare. Guys, I don't know that South Carolina is going to win. And again, you'll know my prediction on Friday. And again, maybe it's a biased pick. I I don't know that I can say for certain that it's not. There's some bias creeping in, but I've just got to believe that while the Gamecocks may not win this football game, 10 and a half is too much. I want to believe that this is going to be a close football game, and I'm telling you guys right now, if it's not, if if Kentucky does cover the 10 and a half, heads should roll. And I'm not talking Shane Beamer, but within that building, somebody, something, heads should roll because it will be the most inexcusable result, arguably, The most inexcusable result we've seen thus far in the Shane Beamer era, right? So I think South Carolina plus 10 and a half, they are much healthier than Kentucky. They've had back-to-back wins to feel good about themselves. Are they able to carry some of that confidence momentum into Lexington? I know it's a night game, right, against the Cats. I understand that. I understand what they've done to you over the past eight years, over the past decade, really, whatever. But I think 10.5 is too much. I think this is a very close back-and-forth ball game. I'm not spoiling a prediction or making a prediction today, guys, because I don't know what I'm picking on Friday. But I don't think it's a double-digit game either way. I, I really don't. I think this is a close one. I think this is a good quality back-and-forth battle. And I think the Gamecocks plus 10.5, I think they will cover that number. Again, with extra time to prepare, I think South Carolina is going to put their best foot forward. I would be absolutely – you know, I say shocked. I say shocked. Maybe shock's too strong a word. I'd be really surprised if Carolina came out and just laid an egg. I really would. I really would. So give me USC plus 10 and a half. I think the game Cox cover. And again, guys, like I said, if you're playing my picks, is there some bias involved? Yes. But I also think, too, from the national perception, the last time national folks saw the game Cox was against Georgia and against Arkansas, right? So they're going to say, oh, is just terrible. They're going to look at Spencer Rattler's statistics, just strictly his numbers. He's terrible. They're going to look at Kentucky's ranking, and everybody's going to hammer the cats. And what do you do when the public's on one side? You fade them. You absolutely fade Fatum. So I think USC plus ten and a half. I think that is the pick in this one. Expecting a close game in Lexington. And like I said, guys, you'll know more on Friday when I lock in my lead pipe lock of the week prediction as well. All right, guys, let's move to our SEC gambling picks for a packed Week Six slate. We sit now twenty nine and twenty seven overall. I went three and four last week, but I'm feeling a big weekend. This weekend, feeling good. We got a hell of a slate of games. And, guys, of course, as always, our SEC gambling picks are brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go down to the Prize Picks app at pricepicks.com. And when you do, you're going to receive a 100% deposit match up to $100 when you use the promo code TSUS. At sign up. Guys, Price Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. Here's how it works you pick two to five players, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi entry, guys. It's literally just you against the projection. Price Picks allows mixed sport entries. So, for example, you can take the over on Rattler passing yards, parlay with the under on LeBron, parlay with the over on Mahomes. You can play any and every sport, guys. Of course, college sports, but MLB, NHL, NBA. You name it, they got it, whatever you want to play. And so many of our listeners have made a ton of money playing with Prize Picks. They've also got a slick, easy-to-use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. And they're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews. Again, guys, that's our friends over at Price Picks. Go down the Price Picks app or to pricepicks.com. When you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sends you. And let's break the bookie this college football season. All right, guys, let's dive into it. Week six of our SEC gambling picks, and we will start in Gainesville, Florida. As the Florida Gators take on the Missouri Tigers, Florida a 10.5-point favorite in this one. I know Mizzou, listen, almost beat Georgia. Really emotional game in Como, I think Florida covers the 10 and a half, though. I think Mizzou, they have a bit of a hangover. It's an earlier kick in Florida in Gainesville. I think the Gators get the dub. I still don't think Mizzou is all that good. I think Florida will expose that. Let's move to Baton Rouge for another noon kickoff. The eighth-ranked Tennessee Volunteers. They travel to Death Valley to take on the 25th-ranked LSU Tigers. I think what's Tennessee's saving grace in this one? is that it is a noon kickoff. Tennessee is a a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. I like the Vols, man. Listen, I know a lot of Gamecock fans out there are doubting Tennessee, and they don't think they're very good, and they think they're overrated. I think that's more so wishful thinking and just hatred being spewed instead of Tennessee just not being good. So give me the Vols. I think they will beat LSU. I think they cover the two-and-a-half in a victory. Uh, Mississippi State hosting the Arkansas Razorbacks State is a seven and a half point favorite in this one, and man, how quickly the mighty have fallen! Arkansas, going from being undefeated, almost was five and zero, oh, to dropping their games to Texas A and M, um, and then losing last week to Alabama as well. They now sit unranked and a seven and a half point dog against Mississippi State, I think at some point Sam Pittman's squad, high-character squad, I think they will turn it around. I think it's this week. I don't know if they win, but 7.5 is way too much in my opinion. I do think they cover, although the scary thing in this game, that Mississippi State passing attack against the Arkansas secondary, a secondary that's been extremely susceptible this season. I think Arkansas, though, will cover that spread in a really gutsy effort on the road. Let's move between the hedges, guys. Georgia taking on the Auburn Tigers. Poor Auburn. Georgia's a twenty-nine and a half point favorite. I don't think it's enough, guys. I think the dogs cover that spread. Uh, Brian Harson is just living on borrowed time at this point. I can't believe he's still there. My guy Jake Crane at Crane and Company's already called for his firing. I, I, I think it's only a matter of time. Georgia has not played well over the last couple of weeks. I can sh- assure you that practice is hell this week in Athens, and UGA wins big. I can see like a forty-one to ten type of spread, you know, or excuse me, a type of victory, if you will. So Georgia gets a big win. They cover 29 and a half. Ole Miss on the road in Nashville. They're an 18 and a half point favorite over the Vanderbilt Commodores. It's been a nice story for Vandy, but I think Ole Miss is for real. They're legit. They're a top 10 team. now. I think they cover the 18 and a half. I still don't think Vanderbilt's very good. I think Ole Miss rolls to a big time win and covers that number. And then finally, guys, what was once thought as the game of the weekend Uh, once thought as the game that everybody was going to be tuned into. And I think they will still be tuned into it either way. But Alabama taking on the Texas A&M Aggies, hosting them in Tuscaloosa. Bama is a 24-and-a-half point favorite. And, guys, after the summer and the comments that Jimbo Fisher made and A&M's a complete shit show – I, I don't know that you can make this spread high enough. I think Bama is going to absolutely obliterate Texas a and I think it's personal for Nick Saban, and I think they're going to show that and prove that on the field. Give me Bama minus 24.5 in this ballgame. Crimson Tide will roll to an easy victory, covering that 24.5. So, guys, that's going to do it for my SEC gambling picks week six as well as my best bet for South Carolina, Kentucky. Also, my best bet sitting now, At 2-2, and so South kind of covering the plus 10.5 would push us to over 500, our best bet, which would be big, obviously, uh, for the record and everything moving forward. Guys, again, thank you all so much for tuning in. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for the love this week on the merchandise side of the business, the Daily Crow, the podcast, all the content. Of course, content bleeding out. The eyeballs. But don't go anywhere, guys. Got a great conversation. Steven Hartzell of College Sports Now, which, if you have not never checked it out, it's a fantastic show. I highly suggest it. And I know that you're going to thoroughly enjoy his commentary in this conversation as well. Guys, again, thank you all so much. Appreciate you all tuning in. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday and enjoy this conversation with Stephen Hartzell of College Sports Now. All right, joining us here on the Spurs Up show, guys, very excited. Steven Hartzell of College Sports Now, which is a daily college sports podcast. I'm sure you can tell those guys do a fantastic job. And, Steven, before we get going, as I was talking to you a bit off air, but I want to share with the audience, you know, one of the cool things on this journey with TSUS and and doing all these different interviews we've done, you guys know from time to time I get folks on the show that have played a vital role in my growth as someone on this journey doing what I do now. And and Steven's show, College Sports Now, is a show that I actually listen to Very often, I would say, Stephen, on a daily basis. I was in the gym, tuned in, getting the latest on Southeastern sports, which I know is what you guys focus on a lot, but especially in the preseason with college football. And you guys have so many fantastic guests and people that bring great insight. So really excited to chat with Stephen. Stephen, I appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. And like I said, this is a really cool life comes full circle moment for me and uh, really excited to talk some Gamecocks football and SEC football with you.
2: Hey, Chris, thanks for the, uh, thanks for the love, man. We appreciate it. I, I I get it. I've been there myself and, uh, yeah, you know how it goes. Like, you know, when, when you're kind of the traffic cop, you ask the right questions and and you let your kind of, you let your co-host kind of take it from there. So, uh, they know a lot more about football than I do, but yeah, man, it's, it's great to just, uh, I mean, look, you get to talk sports for a living, right? It's, it's what you told all your buddies you were going to do in, in middle school and high school. And, and now you're doing it, and you get you get paid for it occasionally. So that, that always helps. But, yeah, man, appreciate the shout-out, Chris. Excited to be with you, man.
0: Yeah, Steven, let's first talk about the show real quick because, again, I, I'm not sure many Gamecock fans, I feel like our, our fan base stays so just tuned in and locked into the Gamecock side of things, which – we love. But tell folks about college sports now. I think one of the reasons I gravitated to you guys so much is because the podcast, the first line says a podcast for college sports fans by college sports fans. I always say our show is by Gamecocks for Gamecocks. So it kind of has that feel of you're not being talked to, you're being talked with. You kind of feel like you guys are somebody you could just sit down, and have a beer with, talk sports. But give folks just kind of an idea about college sports now yourself and sort of the schedule that you guys release content on.
2: Yeah. I mean, we, we do, uh, we do three shows a week and um, you know, we used to do a daily thing and we kind of scaled back a little bit, but uh, yeah, my buddy, Roddy Jones, who does ACC network stuff, right. Former Georgia tech tailback. He does the early show. We get, we head out West Wayne cook, former UCLA quarterback. He works with the Bruins and their radio crew does sidelines out there at the Rose bowl. He's our midweek guy. And then friend of the program, Michael Felder, we do Felder Fridays. So yeah. I mean, it, as you can imagine, it's it's hard to do a show that's national in focus because, you know, when you're when you're talking to Gamecock fans, they don't care about Purdue. <laughs> they don't care about right. USC. I mean, they watch the games, but they want to know what's happening in the east. They want to know what's happening with Clemson. And so I get that. I mean, I, I grew up uh, in Atlanta. I, I was actually in Athens for about five or six years. I did local radio there. That's how I started. Uh, you know my journey, if you want to say that. But when when you're doing daily shows and you're talking college sports in a college town, it's almost easier, right? Because you know what your audience wants to hear about. So yeah, we're we're on Twitter at See Us Now tweets. I mean, college sports now is in the you know it's in the podcast markets everywhere you go to get your shows. So yeah, check us out. We're growing, and uh I, as I'm sure you can relate to Chris, like fall 22, like everybody's just been jonesing for college football content. Yep. And we're just, we're glad to be a part of the ecosystem. And and yeah, we do not talk down to our audience. It's very much just, you know, guys being dudes, right? Like to, to quote the Steve Adazio line, we're just, we're having a good time, man. We love doing it.
0: Steven, on that note, man, let's talk some Gamecocks football. We'll dive into it. And I think one of the interesting things, you mentioned ACC Network, and again, you guys talk SEC, ACC, and so I know a name, Frank Beamer, is one you're very familiar with. And on the ACC Network, I think they actually just released a documentary about his fantastic career at Virginia Tech. But, of course, the Gamecocks uh, head coach is Shane Beamer, the son of Frank Beamer. I'm sure you see we got the Beamer Ball stuff. Beamer Ball has made its way to Columbia, South Carolina. I'd love to get your take on – Just the thoughts on when he was hired, his overall progression as South Carolina's head football coach. Uh, Sort of an unknown, if you will, his first ever head coaching job. But Gamecock fans have have been impressed thus far. Maybe going a little bit slower than they'd like on the field, but I think even from the national perspective, you look, the way his infectious energy has taken over, and you can see it in the pedigree from his father and that, that positive energy spreading. Just want to get your overall thoughts on Shane Beamer and, and his role and his fit, I should say, at South Carolina.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, the guy's incredibly charming. I mean, you know, I, one of the perks of, of what I do with Learfield is, you know, I get to be a part of SEC Network programming. I get to go to media days. We're on the car wash. We get 10 minutes with every coach, with every student-athlete. And yeah, I mean, you sit down with with uh, with with Shane and you're just blown away. I mean, all those guys can be charming when they want to be right. Like you, you've talked to coaches before. I mean, they can flip the switch. But, you know, there there is something that's somewhat infectious uh, about what Coach Beamer's got in Columbia. Look, as an outsider, I thought them going to a bowl game last year was, you know, a, an achievement with a giant capital A. I mean, some of the games that they won. I remember the ECU game in particular. I mean. They had no business winning that game, like no business whatsoever. And Greenville's a tough place to play on the road. Your listeners certainly know all about that, right? But yeah, I mean, I, I, it's funny that you say it's a slow, gradual process. I, I thought last year they were ahead of schedule. Honestly, I mean, getting to go to a, the the Duke's Mayo Bowl, you know, blowing the doors off of a UNC team that you know was a preseason, I think, top fifteen team going into the year. I mean, they they were a disappointing uh, program a year ago, so. I get it. And, and it's funny because this year in September, people are talking about South Carolina and the struggles they lost at Arkansas. They lost to Georgia and everybody loses to Arkansas and Georgia. <laughs> Those are top 10 teams. Like, what do you expect? So it's funny because the SEC fan, you know, their <laughs> fan is short for fanatic. I get that. Like they want results. They want them now. I, I would just tell that South Carolina fans and just football fans of, of the SEC in general, like you got a good one guy knows how to recruit he knows how to he knows how to win and he knows how to win over a locker room and a fan base and and there's a lot of programs out there just just read the news every every sunday the last couple of weeks you're hearing about guys getting the axe and you know programs that are looking for the next best thing i think south carolina's got a good one i think the east is is certainly gettable outside of what's going on in 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 athens right now and 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 kirby's building a monster But, yeah, I mean, all things considered, man, I I think South Carolina, realistically, you know, six wins should be the floor. You should be going to a bowl. And I think they're on track for that this year.
0: Steven, I'm I'm so glad you bring that up, man, because again, you know, I I don't mean to make it sound like because I'm locked in obviously for the long haul with Shane Beamer. And I do believe in what he's doing in Columbia and, and like you mentioned, all the pauses about him. And and I think South Carolina needs to lock in for the long haul as well. But you're seeing it, like you mentioned, all the cross college football. Wisconsin just acts their coach. Colorado, you saw Scott Frost, which again it was year five for them, but you're just seeing coaches are getting shorter and shorter and shorter lifespans. I mean, do you see that being a continuing trend in college football? What does it say about it? Cause I mean, it's crazy, man. You don't get like, Like Frank Beamer, for example, we were talking about this today, that he didn't win double-digit games, I think, until year eight, I believe it was. I think his first six years, he averaged like four wins a year. So it took him a long time to get that thing going. And obviously, once he did, he built a monster in Blacksburg. But what do you think about programs just moving on so quickly from coaches? I mean, it's kind of like if you don't have it really rolling by year three, the fan base is out on you.
2: Yeah, it's funny because, you know, I remember, you know, Kirby smart his first year. I think he went seven and six mm-hmm. after the bowl. And I, I want to say I'm doing this off the top of my head. I, I I think he lost to Georgia Tech his first year. Right. That, that Does that sound right? But yeah, I believe year, so. Year two. I mean, they're second and 26 away from a national championship game. And and I feel like, listen, Mark Rick built a phenomenal program in Athens. You know, it's, it's not like he left the cupboard bare by any stretch, but you know, you, you see a guy like Kirby take a program to the national championship in his second season. I mean, look at some of the first year coaches out there like Lincoln Riley at USC. I mean, there's still a long way to go, but you've got guys who can kind of plug this thing in. And it's like a microwave. They can build this program up so quickly. The transfer portal, NIL collectives. I mean, these guys, if you're a recruiter and you're doing it at a high level, you are recruiting guys that aren't even on your campus, that aren't even on your roster Right now, like that's right. happening in October. And mm-hmm. and as we go on to this college football season. So, yeah, you know, it's interesting. I get it. You also got to consider the financial aspect of what's happening here, man. SEC schools are flush with cash. The Big Ten schools like Wisconsin. I know they negotiated the Paul Chris buyout down to like $11 million. Listen, man, they got that up in Madison. They got that for days. I mean, you're talking about these schools that are going to be getting a hundred plus million dollars a year, just in TV revenue. That's not talking about what they're selling at the, at the bookstore. That's not talking about ticket sales. That's not talking about what they're getting from companies like mine at Learfield that are giving guaranteed, you know, million dollar multimedia rights agreements every year. I mean, we're talking, we're talking so much cash that, you know, a 15, $20 million buyout. it's, it's, It's a drop in the bucket for some of these guys. That's not the case in the PAC 12. That's not the case in the ACC for the most part. You've got some schools that are generating revenue, but not like in the SEC or in the Big Ten, brother. I mean, it's it's just a different world, and that gap, that revenue gap, is going to continue to grow. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is not lost on me, by the way, Chris, that we're one year into NIL. You know, these student-athletes are finally getting theirs, and the mm-hmm. coaches' salaries and the coaches' buyouts are just getting astronomical, right? Yeah. Like, you could never fathom... 10 years, $75 million for Jimbo Fisher 10 years ago. I mean, that just, you couldn't wrap your head around that. Now, all these guys, Dabo, Saban, Kirby, I mean, nine, 10, $11 million a year. I mean, that's, that's what's expected for these guys. So the money's out of control. I get it, but you still got to kind of step back a little bit and acknowledge, like it's going to take time. Like if I'm talking to South Carolina fans and I work with a few of them, you know, I, I I would still be proud of what Shane Beamer did in year one, knowing that, like, it's still a program that's got a ways to go.
0: Steven, speaking of this Gamecocks football team, let's dive into that. One of the big pickups, or I'd say the big pickup of the transfer portal over this previous offseason was Spencer Rattler, getting him to come to Columbia. He was the high profile name and it's been You know, a a bit of a mixed bag early. I think, obviously, you got to look at the pieces around him, and I know there's a lot of heat on the offensive coordinator right now and what have you, but uh, you sit three and two, like you mentioned, and the Gamecocks have lost two games that – you know, did isn't like they've lost to a couple of scrubs, right? Arkansas on the road, Georgia, who I don't think anybody's going to beat the dogs. I think they're for real yet again. Um, So you sit three and two, a bit of a crossroads this weekend, right? The inflection points, what I called it all summer, the road trip, the Lexington and Spencer Rattler certainly will have a major opportunity uh, in that one. But just talk about what you've seen from him and what that really more so meant for South Carolina football that Shane Beamer was able to bring him in from Oklahoma.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it, a lot of sizzle, right? I mean, that... Mm-hmm. In, in, in this day and age, you know, that that matters, like whether you want to roll your eyes at it or not. I mean, if you can convince a, a top level recruit, one of the top transfers uh, in all of college football to come to your school, if you're not, you know, go down the list, Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State or Southern Cal. I mean, if you're not one of the halves one of the elite blue blood programs. That's a big deal, man. That's a huge deal. Now. I, I mean, I, I read Twitter. I mean, I, I follow a bunch of South Carolina beat writers. I, I think that the one consistent theme with South Carolina's offense this year has been inconsistency and maybe just sort of a lack of identity, right? Like yep. it's easy to get on the play callers. I mean, I, I was living in Athens during the Mike Bobo era, right. Where every week it was, mm-hmm. you know, run the damn ball. What are you doing? Like, I get that. I understand. Um, I, I just think at the end of the day, like some of it just comes down to a team and a program and, and a young head coach who's trying to find their identity. And you look at some of the first year head coaches, not, not necessarily first year head coaches, first time head coaches in the SEC, like look at a guy like Sam Pittman. Like, it's worked out in Fayetteville. It's worked out in Arkansas. That's a program that has an identity, right? And, and, and Pittman is kind of the figurehead for that university, for that fan base. Like, the dude just fits, yeah. right? I, I, think it's, I think that's a work in progress in Columbia, and that's okay, man. Like, I, nobody thought South Carolina was going to be competing for the East this year. I mean, there is a monster in Athens, and it, there might be a mini monster in Knoxville, right? Like, Tennessee's cooking. Florida's down right now but you know, there is still room for South Carolina. I I'm not a huge believer. You mentioned the game in Lexington. I'm not a huge believer in Kentucky this year. I I, I like Will Levis. Chris Rodriguez is a man child. I mean, he, I don't remember him being this big a year ago. I saw him running through some old miss dudes last Saturday. I'm like, dude, is this guy put on weight? I mean, has he just been spending the entire suspension in the weight room? Just, just crushing deadlifts or whatever. Um, I think Kentucky's a gettable game, and that's what you've got to do if you're a South Carolina fan. You start running through that schedule. Okay, we've won the games we're supposed to win. We've lost the games where we were a double-digit underdog. You know, yes, it's the, the line sitting around like 10 or 10.5 10 points in Lexington, but, yeah, it's a gettable game. I mean, Will Levis is turnover prone. You saw that in the old Miss game, a couple of fourth-quarter fumbles that really cost him in that one. So, yeah, I think South Carolina's going to play well. But, you know, to answer your question, Chris, Yeah. Rattler's been inconsistent. Dude's thrown a lot of picks, but I still think it's an offense that is trying to figure out what they are. And there are no real answers there. Sometimes you just need to have, you know, a couple of solid Saturdays and that's a lot easier said, easier said than done in the SEC.
0: Steven, I agree with you, man. I think what's so intriguing about the game this weekend, because I'm I'm on the same page with you, man. I'm not a believer in Kentucky either. I thought they were overrated at seven. I think they're overrated at 13. I'm not saying they're not a quality football team. Sure. But I think a quality football team will beat the Kentucky Wildcats. Stephen. my question is, is South Carolina quite on that level of quality football team? And that's what's so interesting is we're going to find out so much about both of these teams because I feel like in this game, Steven, and I'm excited to get your – your take, because again, you know, I talked to so many folks connected with the Gamecocks program and kind of locked in the day and day. I, I like getting the perspective of the outsider because I think you can get almost more, not more, but just a different type of perspective, a little bit more maybe of a level headed type of perspective because you don't have any sort of garnet glasses or biases or anything like that. Sure. I think this is a game, though, where you learn a lot about both teams. Um, because I just don't see if the Gamecocks go on the road and beat Kentucky Kentucky might not be great they might not be 13th but I think that will say South Carolina is a quality football team this year they, they're they not competing for the east they're not winning 10 games but they're a quality football team you just don't go on the road in the SEC and win by accident right at night especially in front of what will be a raucous crowd and then it's kind of like what is Kentucky like how good are they right like you know, we've no. seen them against Youngstown State, average two point nine yards per carry. Will Levis, like you mentioned, has been turnover prone. And yes, they went on the road and beat Florida, but a Florida team that—yeah. What do we make of them, right? So, I, I think if you take away a lot of the preseason hype and them being in the preseason top twenty-five, I think Kentucky and South Carolina are a lot more similar than definitely the folks in Lexington want to give credit to.
2: Well, look, I. All of those are great points. And and you can point to a couple of examples in the SEC where, man, the margins are just so thin in this league. Like, I I remember watching the Auburn and Missouri game two weeks ago, and you're just like, that's the difference between not just a win or a loss, but you're talking about two hot seat head coaches. You're talking about Eli Drinkwitz, who's I mean, you, you're inches away from getting a win on the road and getting to three and one on the season with Georgia coming to town next week instead. And oh, by the way, you missed a 26 yard field goal at the end of regulation, like an extra point as time expires on the road. You hold Auburn scoreless in the in the second half of the game. You're down 14 nothing just to get to that point. So the margins are just so thin. Um South Carolina, Kentucky. Yeah, it's not going to have college football playoff ramifications. It's not going to have SEC East implications. But at the end of the day, man, you're talking about a South Carolina program that's trying to build on a seven win season from a year ago. And this is the type of swing game. When you start going through that schedule, you're like, OK, we're probably not going to beat Clemson. Tennessee's going to you know, Tennessee's going to be a, a tough game, even if it's in our place at the end of November. So you start kind of breaking it down like, OK, Missouri. Gettable Vanderbilt got to have it, Florida, another one of those coin flip games in the swamp, right to kick off the month of November. So it's interesting, man, it's it's not easy in this league and it's really hard on the road. But, you know, has has Rattler had a game where he hasn't turned the ball over yet this season? Like, I I, I think if you're able to put together a turnover free game and give your defense a chance, then you're going to be all right. I just don't know if they can do that on the road. hmm.
0: Now, moving forward, Stephen, when you look at the rest of the SEC, and, you know, it's interesting, and I love it. I think the parity, parity so good for college football and seeing these close competitive games. You know, it gets kind of boring when you have just the no-brainer, the Georgia Clemsons, Bamas of the world just crushing everybody. I mean, we've seen Bama taken down to the wire. Heck, all of a sudden, Georgia looks sort of mortal. But when you look at the SEC – for you is it as simple as Georgia and Alabama in the SEC title and Alabama winning the SEC championship do you think realistically in the east maybe a Tennessee uh can challenge Georgia to go to Atlanta
2: dude i here's the scary part like i look at the lines i know what i know what vegas thinks may or may not happen on saturday tennessee is a three point favorite in baton rouge i did see that and you've got alabama coming to town next week like i get it um I'm still buying Tennessee, man. Like, the fact that those guys can just roll it out there and hang 40 on you. Like, that's a distinct advantage in this league. I mean, look at Georgia's offense the last two weeks, man. They looked great against Oregon when, you know, half of that game was scripted, right? Like, I, you know, I... Man, like I I love Hendon Hooker. Like that guy is just, you know, he doesn't get talked about in the even in this league. I mean, I, I know that folks who, who watch SEC football know that Hendon Hooker's good, but like do folks nationally know just how good Hendon Hooker is? Like I, I think Tennessee's really good. That's gonna be a fun game when they've got to play Georgia. I don't expect them to beat Alabama, but you just never know, yeah. right? Like Alabama's looked, you know, gettable on the road. I mean, Arkansas had him. I mean, it was a two. And how long game. is Bryce Young out? Yeah, we don't know. Right. I mean, Arkansas fought back in a game that they had no business really fighting back to get it competitive. I know what happened once they got to that point. Alabama decided to kick it into another gear. But yeah, man, it's going to be Georgia and it's going to be Alabama on December 3rd. I I would be shocked, especially uh, out west. Now, that's not to say that you still can't have you know, an old Miss program that's sitting there with 10 wins and is going to a New Year's Six Bowl. And you know what this is going to look like once we expand this playoff field to 12. Yeah. You know, it's funny because, you know, my buddy Wayne Cook, who you know, he's, he's a UCLA guy. He's riding high right now. The Bruins are 5-0. and 0. And he's been advocating for, you know, an expanded playoff. Open this thing up. If you win your conference, you should get in. That's all fine and well, man. But yeah. you've got four SEC at-large teams that are going to be going to this thing every year. And and almost half of a field of 12 made up of SEC teams. It's like, you have to be careful what you wish for, because that's what's going to be so interesting about games like, you know, Tennessee, Kentucky or or, you know, Ole Miss, Arkansas or, you know, I know a and down this year, but, you know, when a and finally does get it together. Yeah, you might pick up one or two conference losses, but, you know, come November, you're still going to be top 10 in the CFP rankings because of who you've lost to. Mm-hmm. So I think all that stuff is fascinating, man. Like, I love this league. It's funny when you talk to people outside of the South who are like, yeah, the SEC, like, that's all you hear about ESPN. They've got an agenda. Bro, have you seen the NFL draft the last decade and a half? Like, it's it's not a coincidence that all these guys – are getting drafted from the SEC. Like, even bad SEC programs are putting a ton of dudes in the league. Like, it's cliche, but, like, the people here just play college football better. Like, they're just better at it, man. So, you can take the whole, like, Vanderbilt's a bottom feeder or, you know, Auburn is down or Mississippi State is down or whoever's down. I don't know who the worst team in the West is this year, to be honest with you, man. It, It may end up being Auburn when it's all said and done, but, like, just look at this roster, man. Like, do you want to go up against Derek Hall? Like, that dude's a Sunday player. I, he's going to wreck your season because he, if he gets a free shot at your quarterback, it's, it's, it's lights out. So, you know, it's, it's fascinating, man. Like, it's funny because, like, South Carolina is that middling program. And I get it. Like, fans want more. But you got to let Shane Cook. Like, it's mm-hmm. going to take some time. Like, give this dude a couple recruiting cycles. You've already seen what he can do in the portal. Like, there's a lot of coaches out there who can't manage the transfer portal. I think Shane has shown through his first full season, like, he's got this. Like, he's selling the program to people that never would have considered South Carolina otherwise. That's a big deal. That's a win.
0: And, Stephen, that's a perfect segue to my final question for you because one of my favorite questions to ask those, again, that are, uh, you know, more so national guys that are outsiders of the program or whatever looking at the program from a national scope, what do you think realistic expectations are for Gamecocks football? Because I, I, I want to give you my take and then I want to hear from you. I, I do think realistically, I, I think you have to understand the history of Gamecocks football and take that somewhat into consideration. You really have to put respect on how amazing the run South of had was under Steve Spurrier. Like yes. I, I don't think they're going to have three straight 11 win seasons again until it happens, right? And hopefully that day does come. But I do think South Carolina can be – and hopefully this isn't an unfair comparison I'm making, but like a Michigan State or an Iowa, be, be an eight to nine win per year team every mm-hmm. single year. And let's say every three to four years, either you have the right quarterback, you've got a veteran team, you, you you picked up some key pieces in the portal. The East is down, which seems to just never happen, but maybe it happens. But every three to four years, realistically, you can push and you can challenge to go to Atlanta. And I think if you do that, if, if, you know, if Shane Beamer, Averages eight wins over the course of a decade. He's the greatest coach in school history, Stephen. Just, just talk about, are, are my expectations fair? What are your thoughts? Am I putting limiting expectations on Gamecock football? But from the outside perspective, what do you think are realistic expectations for Shane Beamer in this program?
2: So one thing, and, I, and I'll say this as an outsider because I remember watching it happen with Spurrier. That rise coincided with three generational talents, mm-hmm. all from the state of South Carolina. Coming to Columbia, right? I mean, you you look at Jadavion Clowney, you look at Lattimore. I mean, I'd put Alshon Jeffrey in that mix as well. Like, you're talking about, you know, elite guys in a state that I know they play high school at a high level in South Carolina, but it ain't Georgia, it ain't Florida, it ain't Texas, it ain't California. It's fine, right? Like, it's fine. But elite, like generational talent at those positions, they all came and Spurrier did what, great coaches are supposed to do. I mean, they won the East. That's a big deal. They ran up against Cam Newton. Like, what are you supposed to do about that? So to answer your question, Chris, like, yeah, I, I think if you can have like what Wake Forest is doing here, I'm not parsing. I'm not saying South Carolina and Wake Forest are equals. I'm ta- just bear with me here. When Wake Forest has a sixth year quarterback, when they have an upperclassman, when they are old at the right positions. You can make a run at nine or 10 wins, but you're not winning nine or 10 every year. The other problem, the elephant in the room is Clemson. Like, let's be honest, like you've got to win that game. You've got to be competitive in that game, first and foremost, but you've got to win that game every couple years. I'm not saying you need to go on a run where you win it five years in a row, but there are there have to be Saturdays in November if they're coming to williams Bryce where you can upset the apple cart, where you can wreck their season. Like, and that just hasn't happened. Those games haven't been competitive. And Shane knows that like, he's going to talk about how, you know, it's important to win the East, how it's important to show out against teams like Georgia and Florida and Tennessee. But you know, that Clemson game at the end of the year has his attention. I mean, all these sec programs have it, Florida, Florida state. I mean, Georgia, Georgia tech. I mean, you go on down the line, like it's, 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 as somebody who grew up in the Southeast, I mean, it's a part of my Thanksgiving. I mean, and it has been for 39 years and counting. So, yeah, I mean, I think to answer your question, I think six wins has to be the floor. Like you got to go to a bowl and look at the non-conference schedule. I think Shane knows that too. Let's get these wins where we can, but when the stars align and you've got that upperclassman quarterback, when you've got, you know, senior guys and listen in the transfer portal, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's homegrown guys. Go out there and gobble up some dudes from the Sun Belt. Go out there and recruit the kid from the from ki- from the from the program whose coach got fired in October or November. Get them to come to South Carolina, right? Like, get those guys to come in. I think seven, eight, nine wins. That's the range. Mm-hmm. Six, if you're having a down year. If you want to look at something really special, if you can beat Clemson, if you can beat Florida, if you can, God forbid, beat Georgia, and I don't, I'm with you, I don't think that's going to happen this year either for anybody mm-hmm. on Georgia's schedule. That's when you got something special. But, man, it's tough to get to Atlanta, man. Like, it's not easy. I mean, look at the programs who have gone in the last decade from the east. I think it's just two. Right. I mean, it's just been Georgia and Florida in that game out of the east for the last off the top of my head, eight, nine years. I mean, it's been a while. So, yeah, realistic expectations. But that's a lot easier said than done in this part of the country, my friend.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I, and I look at and, and I think that's one of the things, Stephen, that makes Shane Beamer's job so interesting. And, and, and what's a major difference when Steve Spurrier took over is that, you know, Georgia was good, right? They were elite, but they weren't what they are now. And and Clemson wasn't even remotely near what they are now. So uh, the South a job and winning in Columbia is hard enough. But then you factor in, oh, by the way, your two biggest rivals, Uh, they're enduring the greatest runs in the history of their program. Listen,
2: (laughs) I grew up (laughs) up in Atlanta. Like, I grew up down the street from Georgia Tech. It's the same story there. Like, you have to play Clemson and Georgia every year. Good (laughs) luck, right? And the ACC can't hold a candle to the SEC East. I mean, you got Duke in first place of the ACC Coastal, for God's sakes. (laughs) But, you know, the reality is when those – it's like what Tennessee's dealing with. Yeah, you're having a great year. You've got an elite quarterback. You've got a special offense. You still got to play Georgia. You still got to play Alabama. Like, are, are you going to get to 10 wins? I mean, you could be really good, but still be nine and three at the end of the year. So for South Carolina, like all these programs, what's the schedule look like? What's gettable? And, and I know that South Carolina got off to a rough start because they had Arkansas and Georgia early. But under different circumstances, you get the Auburn schedule. You get your first five games at home. You got some patsies the first three, four weeks of the season. I'm not saying that has to be the formula. I'm just saying, you know, in terms of trying to get this program to a place where people nationally have South Carolina on their radar, it'll it'll come. It'll happen. But you got to give it time, man. I I think Shane's the right guy. I'm I'm excited to watch it from afar. But, uh, you know, in the SEC, man, like just about everybody who's not named Saban or Kirby is on the hot seat seemingly every year, right? Nobody's exceeding expectations. I mean, yeah, I guess you could say Mark Stoops exceeded expectations, Sam Pittman, Lane Kiffin. But, you know, by and large, you're still talking about three-fourths of the league that's not winning enough games. So, you know, folks are never going to be happy, man. But that's good for business, right, Chris?
0: It's fantastic for business, like you said, Stephen. Fan is short for fanatic and something I always say on my airwaves. The beauty is in the banter. We absolutely love it. It's, again, what keeps us rocking every single day. Steven Hartzell of College Sports Now. Y'all be sure to check him out on social media. Check out Steven as well on his personal channel on social media as well. Steven, thoroughly enjoy the conversation, my friend. Thank you so much for doing this, and look forward to chatting with you again soon, man.
2: Thanks, Chris. Have a good weekend, buddy.
0: Absolutely. He's Steven Hartzell. I'm Chris so We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on another episode of the Spurs Up Show.